right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we are fired up today, man. We're hitting a subject so close to home. I can't wait to dive in. Uh, this is definitely a... Um, this is therapeutic as much as it is exciting, uh, and for a lot of for a lot of people, man, it is is unbelievable uh, fitness routine. And um, what we're talking about today is is not as much four wheels as it is two wheels, baby. And I'm excited. Yeah. Now we're going off the reservation today. When I mean reservation, we're out of the shop. We're off the concrete. We're going off road, right? And Willie said it, man. We're two wheeling it. Uh, so dirt biking. Just a fun topic, something that Willie's been doing forever. I've wanted to do forever and I've done little spurts of it. Uh, just picked myself up uh, a new dirt bike. So I'm uh, you know, getting back into the scene again. So we thought we'd bring on a buddy of mine that's been riding for, I think, 25 plus years. So, you know, all about what are the ins and outs of off-roading, especially dirt biking and uh, some of the techniques and setups and favorite rides and you name it, man. I'm, I'm fired up because this is something I've been geeked up about it. I've done a lot of street riding, especially when I was younger in college uh, on motorcycles yeah. and a lot, a lot of mountain biking for the last 25, 30 years. But this is where I get to marry those two together on the dirt bike. Yeah. You know, it for me, it was so funny, man, because my I had a dirt bike as a kid and I grew up on a farm and, and having a dairy farm as your backyard was always fun for a dirt biking kid, you know? Uh, and then, you know, I got into road bikes and road racing um, and I kind of went backwards. I was doing a lot of road racing, kind of climbing up through the ranks and marks there, um, made it to B class where you need, you know, seven marks or, or five marks in a win to, to drop into pro class. Um, so I had all these challenges and I was stacking those up and then I, I lost a bet on a Denver Bronco game. <laughs> I'll never forget. I lost a bet on a Denver Bronco game <laughs> and I had to go do lap times for another guy at the radio station that I worked with who was just getting into racing dirt bikes that year. So he wanted me to go do lap times and, and, you know, see if I could help out from a road racing perspective, maybe make him a little faster. And, you know, it's funny, I, I hadn't thrown my leg over a, a dirt bike at the time in, you know, well over a decade since I was a kid. 
And by the end of the day, you know, I'm running the same times, not faster than what he was. I was like, I'm going to go get me a dirt bike. <laughs> and then literally I went and bought a dirt bike the next weekend. And then in two weeks, I started racing, you know, in the, uh, in the novice class and, uh, you know, just kind of fighting for some positions to start climbing that ladder. And it was such an addiction for me. I ended up, you know, going all the way to pro class, racing several years uh, in pro class out of here. You know, some national race. I had a blast with it. It's one of those things that I just, even to this day, I got a motocross track in my backyard and I ride, you know, Wednesdays or use my moto night, go out there and dust off the bike, throw a moto down. And dude, you talk about throttle therapy. That's the way to do it, man. All, all the worries go out the door when you're, when you're popping some big doubles and in some tabletops and just, you know, ripping the sand up and, and having some fun. Uh, it, it really is an addicting sport and something that, you know, just riding and getting out and being active on your bike. Man, you know what you do? You don't think about all the normal heavy stuff, you know? Yeah, you know what you're thinking? You're thinking, don't die. That's what you're thinking, <laughs> right? As you're, as you're hawking over, you know, some doubles or a tabletop or, you know, you're blasting through the woods, you know, and you're on a you know, 50-inch trail or maybe a single track where there's trees yeah, on man. inches of either side of your handlebar. You're thinking, don't die. So clearly it, you know, wipes your brain of anything else in life. Uh, so you can just focus on that one thing and how much fun it is, yeah. man. To me, it's the, it's, it's the best video game ever, right? Stuff oh, is happening. It's coming at you, you know, and you think about, uh, you know, how much fun is a burnout in a car, you know, throwing it sideways <laughs> or whatever you get on dirt, you know, and that's all you're doing is essentially throwing a bike around, right? Both tires are slipping and sliding. Of course, how much you throw that throttle down. I mean, that back is just wiggling and waggling and boy you know we hit a lot of sand up here in, in michigan so you're just all over the place the trail the road yeah. you name it man it's it's hang on and uh you know pray yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you know pray you got enough skill you know a, a track is one thing i've done a lot of woods riding and trail riding we have big places out here we used to do a thing called dirt church We'd have tires in the dirt on the old mountain trails and wood trails at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning before all the what we call the squids come out. The the people that w would slow you up on the track and, and hold you up from from you know doing anything fun. So we we had the dirt church wheels in the dirt at 6 a.m. and we were done by 9:30, 10 o'clock, and and back home by you know 11 o'clock. And it, it it was a religious for a. Uh, you know, for us for several years, for me and my buddies, and then, and then kids. But, yeah, man, <laughs> I recommend anybody doing it. All right, when we come back on the podcast, Ernesto Rodenback. You're going to love this guy, man. Handful of throttle, dirt, sand, wheels up, wheels down. It is a blast, man. We're going to dive deep. So grab your gear, boots and all. We'll be back after the break on the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up. Ernesto, welcome to the podcast, man. Great to have you on. Loving our subject matter for today, my friend. Love it. Appreciate the invite. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. We, Ernesto and I go way back to, uh, to college in Florida. Uh, did a little bit of Formula SAE. And Ernesto's always been a guy that's really about driving, driving finesse, really working all four tires, track days, like probably dreams about being a race car driver and is about as close as you're going to get from, you know, ejecting out of the day job, the corporate life and actually going and doing it. So he's got track cars. He's been, you know, he's been pushing the limits <laughs> since I've known him 25, 30 years ago. Uh, and, and he's been riding dirt bikes for what, 25 years? About that, yep. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, and I went riding with him last couple of weekends. So, you know, I'm just getting my toe back in the water. Uh, I'm watching him ahead of me throwing dirt in my face. Uh, you know, just seeing his lines, seeing how he rides, man, picking up tips and tricks. And I thought, man, this would be too fun to get two different perspectives, right? Willie's done a lot of motocross, apparently a lot of farm riding. Uh, Nuresto's done a ton of trail riding. Uh, and just, man, I want to pick both of their brains uh, let's say being the the, the newbie-ish kind of guy and, and see what I can learn. Maybe you guys can too. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it, it, regardless of what riding you're doing, it's, uh, you know, uh, and I bet Ernesto will kind of agree with this. It's always the same mindset, whether you're, you're riding in a race or a track or in the woods, you still have to ride in a mindset that is uh, fully aware, almost like fight mode, you know, back when, when, yeah, I would click and get in the ring and do a little boxing. There was something that happened when I put on my gear and my motocross stuff and my helmets and, 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 you know, I strap in, put my chest guard on. There's something mentally that occurs. And from that moment to when I, I step off that bike, I'm kind of in attack mode, regardless if it's a trail or a track, because things happen so fast, your mind has to be ready and prepared for the unfathomable, the unthinkable, the weirdest thing that could possibly happen can sometimes occur. And man, you got to be on your A game. It's not something you want to do hungover, tired, or um, uh, you know, beaten down before you ever throw your leg on a bike because you'll you, there's consequences. Absolutely, and what Kevin was saying earlier also about 100% focus. If you don't have 100% focus, you're going to eat a tree or you're going to miss the. A little bit of throttle you needed to, to land that jump and you're going to land on the top of it. And you're going to bounce off of it. It's going to be a mess. And you know what? If someone ever told you, try to list out all of the things that you have to process in your brain to make a dirt bike do what it needs to do in a trail or a motocross track. I don't think it'd be possible. There's so many inputs and there's so many decisions that are being done instantaneously. Yeah. It, it, when you start riding, those those moments become so quick it becomes real second nature you're not necessarily reacting but just the action that you're doing is is so similar you you know what the bike is feeling or doing underneath you you know your front tire is pushing so you get out of that by grabbing a handful of throttle uh you know if you got ruts going into it i'm going to ride that front brake a little bit and crush that suspension down and hug inside that rut there's little tricks you learn along the way but in order to make a, a perfect lap or a perfect ride on any trail you gotta you gotta know those and just be better than you were the last time you were on that trailer track you know that's your biggest competitor yeah i was uh you know we went riding last weekend just ernesto and myself and another buddy of mine so they're 25 30 year riders right and i'm probably on a dirt bike literally like 10 times um but like i said you know <laughs> i am blending right so here i am with a brand new dirt bike i've never been on so all the controls you know where's the clutch release you know where actually is that uh, you know, brake pedal as you're blasting through the trails and about to hit trees and sand and, you know, dirt in your face. Uh, where is everything? What's it doing? What's the bike dynamics feel like? I'm on brand new trails I've never been on and I'm chasing guys that have been riding for decades. Uh, so, man, I had like five million things processing at one time as I'm just digesting and, uh, you know, trying to keep up and, and remember everything. But I'm blending all the, you know, the mountain bike stuff with, you know, real heavy bike you know, street riding. And um, miraculously enough, I mean, it, it blended incredibly well uh, to where, you know, I could fairly well keep up with them, although I felt 
sloppy as heck. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on, you know, my next rides getting smoother and a little bit quicker uh, to where I look, uh, you know, maybe a little more sexy on the trail, you know what I'm saying? Uh, versus like, oh my God, what the heck? Oh my God, I just almost died six times, you know? I'm sure Ernesto will tell you, but riding with people that are faster makes your improvement scale get up to scale oh, yeah. 10 times faster than what it would just be if you went out there just banging the dirt and and trying to understand the the line decision and and where you're going and and why you want to keep the front tire up over roots and you know obstacles and and things like that you know just just around corners i'm sure he'll tell you that riding with guys that are better and faster is a massive way to improve your your riding techniques really quickly absolutely the one additional thing i'll throw in there is faster and more experienced guys is great but try to find one that's also got smoothness and isn't crashing every other lap. You know what I'm saying? There's guys out there that are fast, but when they crash, which is fairly often, they're out for a month or two. And the same was true with trails. Uh, there were some guys that were super fast, but they were bouncing off of stuff every time we rode and they got hurt. So it, it, um, what, I think one thing, Kevin, that, that you'll find is that the speed with a guy like you that came out of mountain biking, came out of physical hand coordination sports, you're going to get the speed fairly quick. What takes more years is being able to maintain that speed long time and reliable and consistent. Yeah, I remember being able to keep up with yeah. some of the guys that I started riding with. After like a year or two, I was keeping up with them. But 20 miles into the trail, I was exhausted from all of the constant, not natural movements I had to do to keep the bike under control. Well, I noticed a lot between, let's say, the first ride and the second ride, because we you get some really great hard pack. And to me, that felt very natural, because that's what I'm mountain biking on, right? And you're just, you're throwing, you're going through the berms. And then, bam, we hit a bunch of real deep sugar sand. Uh, and to me, it's like, whoa, completely different. You know, I don't know how many times I, you know, buried the front tire in, you know, maybe hit the berm, the sand berm too, too hard and just kind of, bleh, you know, uh, squeeze it, handle it over. So, yeah, there was a there was a lot going on, but I felt uh, the difference between, you know, my forearms and hands, right, the white knuckling. Uh, just in those two rides, start to relax a little bit. And like you were telling me, you know, you just got to let it float through the sand a little bit more. But it's hard when you got trees on both sides. You know, when you're on a sandy road, yeah, float all over the place. But when you got a few inches on this side or the other, you know, your instinct is to try to hold that line pretty tight. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions because these are some of the things top of mind. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of it's sand, man. So, uh, you know, Willie and Ernesto, you guys, uh, jump in, you know, the let's go dirt on a berm, you know, pretty hard, uh, maybe a hard berm, uh, and, and, and fairly decently hard packed. How do you kind of go into that turn? How do you set yourself up? You know, are you just trailing with the engine brake where you're doing just touching the brakes in the front, the rear, you know, how do you do a dirt berm? And then how do you kind of do it differently on the sand? Uh, you know, weight position, all that stuff. Because, man, I tell you, to me, they seem completely different. You know, and I'd go into one and go, oh, man, I'm feeling pretty good. And then I'd hit the other one and go, God damn it. I really messed that one up, you know. You know, it, it's funny for me because, you know, I'm in a sand basin out here. I ride Glamis. Um, I've been there 10, 15 times. Um, but for, for most of us, um, probably if you're – 
if you're setting up the turn, I come in really, really hot, use the engine braking, that chatter, that you kind of want that, at least in the motocross race. I want that engine braking. It compresses the suspension. I scoot way up on the bike. Now, if I'm saying I'm back on the bike a little bit, trying to adapt it, probably coming out of whoops or holes like that, trying to absorb some of the, the ups and downs of a sand track and, and I'm looking more forward than I do um, on, a, on a regular track. On, a, on like a rutted track, one of the worst things you could do is look down at your front tire. I tend to look way out there in front of the bike and pick my line. You know, if I'm entering the turn, I've already got my head past the apex of it and, and on the exit, like, I'm, like where I'm going to look out. I get way up on the bike. I wait the outside peg um, and do a lot of the basics. It's surprising. Uh, and Ernesto, you could jump in. A lot of times the turn is set up with the front wheel, but it's completed with the rear wheel. Meaning you come in and you're turning the bike so hard, the tire is actually not turning, but pushing because it's going so hard into the turn, it's not allowing the tire to actually move um, the way it normally rotates, but it's pushing it. And that rear throttle is just, it, you're just on the, the, the gas and that rear tire is pushing it through the turn and carrying it to a straight position. And like he said, there's a little bit of floating there, but there's a lot of trust. I would say it, yeah. it's, it's a majority of trust. You got to go in bury that front tire, grab a handful of throttle, weight that outside peg, and hold on and let, let energy do its work. And it's shocking how fast and how low you can get through turns, um, sand or dirt. Definitely. The, Kev, what I would tell you is that the biggest difference with, with hard pack and sand is that sand is less tolerant of your speed. You can take a hard pack turn at almost any speed, and get through it relatively easy. So for, for beginning guys, what you're finding is that you may have not been at the peak speed of what that hard pack turn could have been. Whereas with sand, you need to be near that because any amount that you lean that bike over, now there's nothing to help hold you there or, or just float you through the corner. You, just like he was saying, you gotta be on throttle and it, it, it's a much higher commitment, let's say on the sand turns. Um, the only other thing I'll add is if you're, if I'm really attacking, uh, if I'm not going for, you know, 70 miles of, of hard trails all day, if I'm really attacking one section, I'll usually end up coming in hot, like you were saying, but then right before the turn, lock the back brake, like literally do a stab on the back brake to get the bike right as you're turning in to get the bike to swing around. And just literally it's a brake stab because right after you've gotten the bike motivated to rotate, you're big on throttle. And that's what I use the engine chatter for, that because that wheel's spinning yeah. and churning, right? Yeah. And it's crushing the suspension as it comes in. Um, I, I, would, I would definitely say weight that outside peg. If you're ever in that rutted scenario, make sure you're looking forward, drag. I always ride with a couple fingers on the clutch, a couple fingers on the front brake, uh, and the rest yep. on the outside. Um, but I always got what the tools I need regardless of, of what about is, is is about to occur you know i know when i come in and i throw that that front tire in i commit i'm leaning that bike over i'm all over that outside peg and just grabbing all the throttle i can get in second or third gear i i know what that bike is going to feel like underneath me and it's chaos what a lot of people don't realize it's smooth chaos but man riding a bike is like a is like a, a cross between a ballet and a fist fight and once you find that happy balance 
my God, it is so epic when you get a great day of riding because you know you fought. And uh, boy, you know it, you know, a lot of times in a lot of instances, it, it looks like a ballet. It looks like it's easier than what it really is making that bike do what you need it to do. Yeah, well, we're riding behind Ernesto for about 100 and something miles uh, recently. Uh, he, he makes it look smooth, man, for sure. Now, yeah, yeah. The, the one thing that I'd forgotten about is, uh, you know, tapping the rear brake uh, because you're on sand. You know, anybody that's riding street, you know, the street is keeping your your wheels turning, even if you're braking. So your engine keeps running. But I noticed I stabbed a little bit too hard and uh, stalled out on a rear brake. Because if you're dragging your wheel through sand, you you know, if you're not on long, throttle, man. yeah, if you're not on throttle and you brake, you can just, you know, stop the wheel in the sand and drag it and then sh shut the motor down. That's another reason to do it with engine braking. That's another reason to do yep. it with engine braking. But if you time it right, doing it fast... You could stab the rear brake. I, I usually do that on flatter turn. I'll pop, pop like that and get it, get the bike to commit. Like, you know how you set yourself up to do a drift turn? It's the same way, how they grab the rear brake, you know, or a, or a handbrake and start the car to pitch. It's the same way on a bike by using the back brake or using the engine chatter and what it does to that whole swing arm mechanism uh, and how it slows up the tire, but it's still giving you that compression and keeps the engine running. So there's two ways to achieve the same thing, but it's still setting the bike up for the turn, the apex and throttling out of it. Cause that's what's most important is what happens by the apex. And when you get on that gas, because if you don't, you're going over the bars and the bike is going right behind you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, well, real quick, and we'll go to break. Um, so when you're going into these turns, uh, something I realize a lot of times between a heavy bike and street and, and a dirt and a mountain bike. A mountain bike, you can separate yourself from the bike. You can literally push the bike somewhere up, pick it up, you know, move it uh, quite dramatically because it weighs nothing relative to you. But take a big, heavy street bike, I mean, you're kind of almost one with it. You know, but a lighter dirt bike is somewhere in the middle. So, you know, I was trying to feel out, uh, am I one with the bike going through or am I diving the handlebar down and then throttling it back yeah. up again? So maybe in that same turn, are you one with the bike typically or do you kind of separate a little bit the bike. and throttle back in? One with the bike? One with the bike, definitely. One with the bike. All right. All right. Yeah. You know what the bike's doing under you and you got certain moves you're doing on top of it to maintain that energy moving forward and to make it through what you're forcing the tires to do. Sometimes the tires don't want to go and don't want to do what you're asking them to do, nor does the suspension in most cases on a motorcycle. But that's when what you're doing to counter that movement on top of the bike is is the, the great equalizer. So, all right, more questions when we get back. So what's the difference between two-stroke and four-stroke? I bet Ernesto could tell us a story about that. I know, I, man, I'll tell you a story when I get back from my year. I went from two-stroke racing to four-stroke racing. <laughs> All right, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, and we're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Having fun today, man. It's two-wheel talk. That's what we're doing, uh, talking dirt biking. I love it. We have Ernesto, my man, on. Ernesto, this is going to be a funny question. Over the last couple of years, more miles on a motorcycle or more miles in public transportation? <laughs> Zero public transportation. <laughs> My man. <laughs> uh, too funny. Now, you're big into trail riding and enduro stuff, right? Yes. That's awesome, man. Um, we don't have as much of that in, in my world, although 
you know, I did used to do that thing, the dirt church, which was fantastic. We have a big place that we ride up and down and around the mountains out here. And I've taken my bike up several times around uh, mountain terrain and Glamis. I've done a lot, a lot of riding out in Glamis. I love the sand dunes. Uh, but my stuff is, is mainly track. But it's, it's so funny because whether you're on the track or whether you're on a trail, I, I feel like there's certain things when, when I go trail riding, you almost have to watch out even more. So on a, on a racetrack, just to sort of highlight it, it's the same track, same turns, same jumps you're doing every lap, but they change every lap. There's holes that develop and ruts that develop every single lap. So it's kind of odd like that. On a trail, it's, it's a kind of terrain that for a lot of people out here, you know, we have a massive amount of trees and tree roots, right? And tree roots, man, they will ruin your day if you do not understand how to get that front tire over a tree root. Or if your front tire like me, Hell, last time I went, I went riding, I, we were doing dirt church. You know, we're hauling the mail early in the morning. I come over a hill. I thought I was carrying no speed. You know, the, I floated the entire, the whole top of it, and I landed front wheel down, and a front wheel hit first. And normally, I'm, I don't ride trails that way. My rear tire is what I touch first on a trail, and my, my front tire is what I'll touch first on a motocross track. Well, I made this jump, and my first thing to touch, front tire. And you know what was there to greet it? A big root hanging about three feet in the air, and it sent me cartwheeling and a bike cartwheeling. Uh, it was a good, it was a good dirt nap, man. It was a good get off, and and you know, <laughs> little things like that that people don't realize. But there's there's ways to ride certain terrain, like sand. I'm always back on the bike a little bit. If you're riding sand, you know, and I ride glamis, I'm a little bit more back on the bike than what I normally am riding unless I'm getting set up for a turn. And when I set up for a turn, I go way forward on the bike. Um, Ernesto, kind of same line of attack for you in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, the trails that we were riding with Kevin last week, uh, you're in constant technical riding. There's there's very little just go straight through a bunch of sand. Because, yeah, if you're going straight through and you got some whoops, you're going to want to lean back a little bit and let the bike float and bounce a little bit through it. But when you're attacking corner after corner, and to your point, trails, you never know what's next, you're going to have to have your weight up on top of that tank so that you can oh, yeah. have the most possible steering there, right? And also, having the, the your body up on top of the tank makes the rear tire able to rotate around and spin around to get you pointed the right direction easier. Huh. Yeah, it's like doing trees okay. on a snowboard, Kev. You know, yeah, you got to stay up, keep keep a lot of just a lot of balance on the. You know, people ride certain ways. You'll see a lot of track guys; they'll go through whoops on the back tire the whole way. You know, you'll see a lot of motocross guys spend a lot of time on the back tire because they're able to work with the bike suspension a little bit more. On trails, you definitely need that balance uh, of front and rear, depending on your terrain and what's coming at you. Because there'll be rocks where you'll want that front tire light so you can get it up really quick. And, you know, there'll be times where you need to make a quick turn, like a, a big rock is on one side, the tree's on the other, and they don't compromise. <laughs> so you got to get that bike turned fast. Um, and to do that, you got to be more up on the bike. Yeah. So you got to be comfortable and confident in the terrain you're in, but just know how to attack it when those obstacles kind of rear their heads. Well, it sounds like uh, anytime, you know, especially on technical stuff, if you're going to be doing turns, whether it's soft or firm, uh, you're up on that tank for the most yeah. part. And if you're getting more straights and you're just going through whoops and whatnot, you're you're kind of leaning back. 
you know, on the mountain bike, typically I'm on my seat or I'm way the heck back. Like literally I'm dragging my, you know, jewels uh, on the tire. Cause you know, I love the really technical mountain bike stuff. And so you can have some just drops. And if you're not literally, you know, rubbing your junk on the tire, you're going over the handlebars. Um, so that's kind of where I started. And then, yeah, I hit some sand and whatnot. I'm like, wow, I got no steering and yeah, getting yeah. some weight up there. I can start to feel like, okay, I'm waiting the front tire. Now I'm getting a little bit more grip to turn. Um, so yeah, a lot of movement on the bike, you know, figuring out, you know, on a street bike when I'm, when you're blowing turns, you know, you're pushing through the turn, you start a turn by pushing down your elbows. You kind of lean into a turn on a street bike, you know, by throwing your elbows, you know, to the ground and you're way up in the front of the bike and hanging over the inside of it. You know, on a dirt bike, it's opposite. You're on the outside peg because you're weighting the inside of the, the rear tire. So your weight, the more weight, I would say there's th probably three or four rules that j just make you a really better rider overall. Um, one of them is always weight the outside peg in a turn. Um, if I were to give anybody any advice, uh, the main thing I would tell them about getting through a turn is weighting the outside peg, set up on the bike, meaning where your body is, where it starts the turn, and then there's a point in that turn where you're transitioning from all that energy comes, coming off the straightaway, and you want to squat your suspension down so you move towards the front of the bike. Um, and I would say that transition and putting yourself in the front of the bike up on the tank is probably second. Um, braking is third. Um, how you're navigating w with your brakes up to a certain point. And then that time between when you're on the gas and on the brake or vice versa, on the brake and on the gas, on a motorcycle, that is all wasted time. With a motorcycle, you can either be on the brake or on the gas. You don't have to have any coasting time if you're attacking. Coasting time is wasting time. So you got to either be on the brake or on the gas because that's how you're telling the bike what you want it to do. If you're coasting, the bike is telling you what it wants you to do, and that's not a good scenario to be in. So I would tell, I would tell you either be on the brake or on the gas. Um, and then, you know, balance, stand up. It sucks, but stand the hell up, you <laughs> know, stand up on the bike, uh, especially on terrains like trails, um, because it will never, never take a jump seated. Uh, you'll pay the price for that for sure. Um, but mm, stand up yeah. man. you learn to stand up on the bike because that is key to being able to respond to anything that comes your way. So that those would be the you know the four or five big things I would throw at anybody uh, attacking any type of terrain. It's funny you mentioned the standing up. It is uh, you add so much more potential dampen rate to the to the whole machine of you and bike, right? Because I mean you only have so much suspension travel. So if you can absorb some of the impact with your legs, you can smooth out a lot of a lot of what you're riding on. Now, Kev, the what we rode this past weekend, you saw. You can't even stand up because there's trees above your head. And half, half of the time we were ducking our heads by the bars. So it's that's the beauty of trails. And that's why I've always gotten stuck to them is that, you know, number one, I'm not 25 feet up in the air. <laughs> and then number two, something new every every turn is something new. And you and you got to learn to do anything that bike needs. You're going to learn to do it. Yeah, you got to be prepared. It, it definitely, I'd say, very technical because everything's changing. 
the ground is changing. We got rocks, we got roots, we got sand, we got dirt, and we had trees. Like you were saying, man, we had trees on this trail just whacking us across, just whack, whack, whack across the helmet, you know, through the goggles, like caught me in the neck. I'm like, God dang, uh, it's coming from everywhere. And then, of course, uh, you know, with all the sand, man, it was so dusty. It's like whew, you couldn't get anywhere close to the rider in front of you or you'd just be in a cloud. Uh, but yeah. That's what makes it fun, man. That's what makes it fun for sure. But before we run out of time, we got probably should talk a little suspension and suspension setups yeah. on the bike because, man, most bikes when you buy them from the factory, if you're just going out and buying a bike, new or used, there's a 99% chance the suspension is stock, and that's set up for a little guy um, that you know probably weighs a buck fifty, buck sixty, somewhere in that ballpark. So you really should address your suspension on a motorcycle to get the bike to do anything you need it to do in the terrain you're going to be riding on. Because if you don't, you're going to have the worst time. You're just going to bottom out. You're going to crush that suspension. You're just going to you're going to have a miserable day. Suspension and getting the right spring rate and dampening and all that stuff is is key on a motorcycle, um, more so than probably anything else. So what do you guys typically do? Because I'm sure there's quite different uh, guidelines between motocross and trail. So maybe we start with the trail. Um, you know, how would you guys recommend setting a bike up, you know, to hit those trails just right? Kev, I'll tell you that the first you got to start with what, what he just said, which is have someone tune your, your springs and, and oils to your shocks based on your body weight. From there on, the shocks have enough adjustment in them that if your baseline is at least targeted around your, your body size and weight, then you're, you're going to be okay. But the argument is a little bit similar in motocross in that you got to look at your trails and what terrains you're going to be hitting and try to use all the suspension. That's the, that's the same with motocross where if you know that there's a couple sections that you, you, you're going to bottom out in, well, you're going to have to tune for that. But using the most of the travel that you can available for the on, on, on a given trail is going to get you is going to beat you up less and is going to keep that tire in contact the longest time. Yeah, man. So go with sp the springs that are rated for your weight. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm a heavier, harder rider. Um, I tend to, I tend to be a, uh, I'm, I'm a 225, 230 pound guy. Um, add some more weight with, with, you know, gear and apparel and whatever you're, got in a backpack if you're doing some trail stuff um so i tend to have pretty hard springs in there and then i typically go a couple clicks in um just on the on the rebound and compression just because I, I i ride bikes really really hard um but you know getting a, a a bike suspension tuned to your weight is key and then you can start fine tuning it um, and adjusting it to where you you ride uh, and where you're comfortable at that that becomes just a you know sort of a, an opinion on how you set up the bike and how you set up turns and what you your terrain is that you're you know most commonly going to ride. Um, I set my bike up for you know bigger jumps, um, a, a little bit harder landings. But like uh, Ernesto was saying, last thing you want to do is clip the end of a big tabletop uh, and you know blast off and be all over the front of your bike uh all over the front of the handlebars licking the front fender uh and not be able to re regain uh composure uh because you know your your bike sprung unloaded spring unloaded and pitch you so far forward you can't get back on the bike um so i tend to set mine up a little heavier um but yeah that i would say that's key and then secondly 
um, making sure you keep your 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 seats and your your oil um, free of air um, and all your seals tight. A lot of people don't realize that their seal has been leaking, you know, for four or five trips now, and they get out there and they wonder why all of a sudden their suspension is is just kicking them in the dirt. And if you don't, you know, keep an eye out on your suspension and make sure all your seals are doing their job then you know you could be half full of fork fluid and and all of a sudden your dampening rate sucks you know and your ride turns into crap yeah good stuff man all right we're running a little bit low on time i'm gonna hit you guys up with um you know what do you think is just kind of the hot setup these days for trails and what do you think is a hot setup for uh for motocross now current there's a lot of different classes to run but let's say you're just gonna you know get into it and 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 run you know your local motocross track and and you know Get your your seat time in and have a blast. You know what's a what's a great setup nowadays because you got two strokes, four strokes. Uh, you got different size bikes. So uh, what do you think is kind of the winners these days? Where's everybody kind of gravitating? Oh, Ernesto, how do you feel about that two stroke, four stroke battle? Battle. It's it, you know it's constantly. You think four strokes have won, and then two strokes are, are, are you've seen a resurgence in some two stroke stuff. I thought once I went to four stroke. I actually went, you know, I was killing it on two-stroke, man, because the inertia works so much easier for you on a two-stroke. You could throw that bike, you could be in midair and decide you want to throw it to the side or throw it over your head. It doesn't matter. But with a four-stroke, oh, it's impossible, man. You're, how you fly through the air is really dependent on how you're setting up on your takeoff. <laughs> after, after you're in the air, it's really hard to get that thing to move the, any direction you want it to move. Uh, it's going to do what it wants to do just because of the way it's, you know, th- that inertia is just there's so much grunt behind it. So uh, if I'm going to the track, I'm going uh, most comfortable on a, you know, a, I'm a Yamaha guy. I ride a YZX. 450. I always opt for the fuel injected bikes. Um, they're just easier. They come with electric start now, but uh, you know, or I ride one. I got, I have two 450s actually. One with a little softer suspension um, for trail riding, <laughs> ironically, and one for a little heavier suspension um, for the motocross track that I most commonly hit, just because it's got massive, massive big jumps and and um, they're real flat landings if you if you pop them a little hard. So it's, uh, it's something I feel like I need um, on, on my motocross bike. But it's really close. I set them up all heavy. They're all for a bigger guy. Um, you know, and I, I never mix race. A lot of people tell you use race. I never mix race gas on two strokes because they don't mix nowadays like it used to. And you'll follow a plug faster than you could think about it. Four strokes are pretty easy to get along with. Um, Suspension-wise, set it up for your weight. Let the bike get warmed up before you go cracking on it. Um, constantly um, let the air out of your forks. Um, constantly check your seals. Always oil up your chain before you go out and make sure tension on your chain is right. And always clean your air filter uh, after every ride. If not, you know, I, I do it every two rides, quite honestly, but uh, you really should do it every ride. Uh, other than that, man, you know, uh, every three or four rides, I check my spokes. Um, but other than that, they're, they're great machines nowadays. You could just let them rip and ride ride the crap out of them always keep an extra set of plastic one for show and one for go because i i beat the snot out of my plastic with knee braces and that's another thing as far as the rider goes always have a helmet always always have knee braces always always get knee braces the most valuable joints you'll ever have always wear knee braces always go with a helmet all right man where are you at ernesto on the trail what what's what do you think the go-to these days are? In, in the world of the hot setup, we're lucky that we're in, we're in a generation where there's 
two-stroke bikes and four-stroke bikes that can do pretty much anything any of us need them to do. So I would say pick the bike that you feel you can control the best. For me, I never spend enough time on two strokes. I can never really get the power delivery and the transitional inputs where, where you're using throttle to change the attitude of the bike. I was never as fluid on a two stroke that I, I am on a four stroke. So for me, it's no question. Now, if you were back in the seventies, trying to do anything motocross on a four stroke would have been a joke, but nowadays they can do, you laugh yeah, both, at. <laughs> do both jobs now. So what you're connect with the best and what you can control the best. Yeah. And it seems like that, uh, you know, we're getting more and more power out of these things. So somewhere in that 350, 450 range, uh, we're kind of working our way down. I, you know, I know a lot of guys that are happy with sub 400s, you know, I just picked up my 350, you know, FX, a Husqvarna and, uh, man, it felt terrific. That great balance of, you know, weight, uh, with enough power there that it wasn't too shift busy. So, that's kind of where I ended up, and uh, so far I'm loving it. So can't wait to get back on the trail, man. We'll have to uh, we'll have to schedule yeah, yeah. some dates in here. It's getting hot, so it might. Uh, oh yeah. And one other tip: trails I, on a trail setup, I would run a smaller sprocket on a motocross track. I go up a couple teeth, um, just because you're milking the the power band on the bike a little easier around the track. So another good trick right there. And safety wire your grips. Sounds stupid. Mm safety wire your grips uh because uh constantly if you don't the day those come off on a jump or on a ramp or when you're needing them to stay on uh is the day that will happen you'll pay a big price for that um and uh if i could say one product um boots by fox and um handlebars by pro taper you can't really go wrong with either one of those So there you go, man. All right, uh, don't forget about our show. You can't go wrong with that. It airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. It's awesome uh, because <laughs> Kev is on it. Um, but look, um, check it out on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. You can also find us on Motor Trend Plus, which is their streaming platform. A great resource. Thanks to my man, Ernesto. Ernesto, we got to go riding at yeah. some point. Um, uh, yeah, br- I love that, man. Bring it, bring it. Well, they have to come out there. You come out here either way or, or maybe both. Amen to that. All right, Ernesto, where do people find you on social media real fast? Old, old school. You better, you better uh, call my number. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get social media just for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> All right, man, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast. It's copyright 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Sweet, man. Man, I had a, a, a blast the last couple of weekends. I can't wait to get more seat time. I can't wait to get smoother out there, more confident out there. Um, I'm getting some speed up, but I want to get that speed maybe a little safer and a little sexier. So let's get uh, some schedules worked out, man, and, and get back out. That's Neon pink riding pants, man. That will bring the sexy to yeah. your ride. Neon pink. Uh-huh. It's coming uh-huh. back, man. That's a good thing. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it, man. Hopefully a few of you guys picked up a few tips. I know I did. I took some notes. There you go. Uh, So I'll be out there with my notepad trying to read. You know, I'll tape it to my tank. Oh, shoot. What was he saying? You know, Kevin, you know a good way to get get some quick improvement? Have somebody record you. Use their phone and just record you blasting through a turn. Mm -hmm. And that way you're looking Mm. at it and you're going and looking at the professionals and going, okay, well, that looks a little different when they do it. (laughs) And you can, you know, kind of pick up some style points. I used to do that all the time. Like, what the hell was I doing out yeah. there? What was I thinking? <laughs> what is that? That's not what I thought I was doing. Jeez. <laughs> uh, all right, man. We appreciate you. Nesto, take care, man. Absolutely. Looking forward to some throttle therapy, bro. Good talking to you guys.
All right. All right. See you, buddy. We'll see you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.